Let's pray together. Father God, it is well. And it is amazing to be able to declare that truth in worship together. No matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, Father God, some of us are celebrating huge, exciting things. And some of us, Father, are facing the most terrifying and difficult things. And together we declare, we gather together here, Father. And as your body, as your followers, unified by your spirit, we declare it is well. You are good and you are God. You are in control and you are enough. And no matter what we feel, no matter even if we struggle to believe if it's actually true, we declare it and we pray, God, that you will make it true, that you can make it true, that you are enough even when we don't believe you are enough. You know our insecurities and our struggles and our fears, and you are with us in that place. Father, thank you that you are good and that you are here with us. As we turn to your word this morning, God, we just pray that you would speak, that your spirit would move, that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear from you, that we can see you a little more clearly and love you a little more deeply and follow you a little more closely, that we can share you a little more fully. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place. And yes, I think our grade four, five, six kids, our big kids have been released to their program as well. Uh, Paige has some amazing things for you back there. But I think one of the funniest things that I experience in my life, and by funniest I mean most ridiculous and foolish when I'm being honest and real with myself, but funniest when I may be a little more gracious with myself, is the fact that I am continually surprised when God shows up. That I am continually surprised by the way that God moves in my life or in the life of someone else in the world around me. It surprises me every time. Why? How is that possible? How many times do we have to see someone healed or a life transformed? Someone that was completely distant from God. Suddenly they start asking questions and suddenly they say, you know, I was praying or I started reading my Bible seemingly out of nowhere and they're embracing the gospel and they're being baptized and we sit there shocked. I never thought they would believe. Or just small needs in our lives, things we're worried about and we pray about them. God, please help me deal with this. And we pray and we pray and over time that need just kind of goes away. Or maybe it was just kind of met all of a sudden and we kind of forgot we ever even prayed about it and just kind of think, well, that was lucky. Or we are having a really difficult time, a really lonely or difficult season or facing something impossible and out of nowhere we get a text or a phone call, hey, I was just thinking about you. Well, wasn't that so nice? What a coincidence. Or I come to church. And I sing all about how powerful God is. 
and how much He cares for us. And we pray and we sermon and we do all of this and I leave here and we hear how big and scary things are going on in the world and I'm filled with fear and maybe even anger like I wasn't just singing about how God is in control. Why do I do that? Why am I like this? How can I forget so easily, be so blind and so unaware? How can I not see what God is doing, how He is working, how He is moving? How can I fail to trust Him so often? Why is it always a surprise to me when it seems like God shows up when the reality is He's always there? Turn with me this morning to 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to read a story together from the life of the prophet Elisha. A story that's just a few verses, almost buried in the middle of a larger story. But this small story is in, in many ways, to me at least, one of the most important and biggest stories in the whole Bible because in this little moment, God reveals something gigantic to us about who He is, about what He is doing, and about what all of this really looks like. 2 Kings chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 8. Let's read this story together. We're going to have it on the screen as well for you. It says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. And his officers said, Sir, we'd like you to be a little more specific than that. <laughs> and he said, Figure it out. The man, of God, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak even in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord. So that he can see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked. And he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Do you see? Do we understand what God is doing? Do we see what He has created? Do we see what He is calling us to? Do we know the power of the presence of God at work all around us and in our lives and in our world all the time? Do we see what God is doing? Because what He's doing is incredible. This year our theme has been sacred. And we've been trying to understand what it means for us to bring the presence of God into the lives of the people around us, to help them see, to help them experience what it means that God is here, that He loves them, that they were created to be with Him. We want to know and understand what it means to be a spiritual presence, a marker post pointing the way to Jesus, drawing their attention to this spiritual reality that fills us and surrounds us, helping people to find life, redemption, healing, wholeness, forgiveness, salvation, and all of the abundant life that Jesus tried to help us see that He wanted so badly for us to understand. We looked at the fruit of the Spirit, and we looked at the nature and roles and titles of Jesus, and now we're looking at these stories, these stories of the power of the presence of God, His presence made real in the world, what it means, what He does, so that we can understand what He is doing, how He is working, how His Spirit is moving. Because we need to know the power of God's presence in our lives that we can help others see it too. And so we started with the story of Moses crying out to God for His presence to go with His people. That they were nothing without Him. And then we looked at the vision of Ezekiel and the story of creation, the impossible and mysterious God that has invited us to walk with Him as friends. The story of Balaam's donkey, the power of God to speak as He wills. The stories of the Tower of Babel and the 
humbling of Nebuchadnezzar, seeing the power of God over nations and rulers of the earth. Last week, Pastor Scott led us through the story of King Saul being overwhelmed in the Spirit and prophesying and worshiping even as he went to move against God's newly anointed king. God is in control. And He is inviting us to see and to understand what He is doing, to submit to Him and embrace the life and mission He is setting before us and the foolishness of trying to move against Him. And now this week we come to this incredible story in the life of the prophet Elisha. And again, it's just a piece of this story almost buried in the middle of this chapter in a larger story going on about the nation of Aram harassing and attacking the Israelites. And in our Bibles, we have these little subtitles often that kind of help us to find which stories we're looking for. And in my Bible, it calls this passage, Elisha traps the blinded Arameans. Not what I would say is the headline there, NIV publishers. How about God casually unravels the fabric of reality? Or God melts the brain of this poor servant? What is this story telling us about what God has created, about what this world really looks like? About what our lives should look like? What we're really following here. Because in the middle of the story where, yes, the blinded Arameans were trapped. There's these two little verses that blow our whole world apart. Verses that we might kind of remember from Sunday school as something, a fun little crazy story. But if we stop to think about it, it changes everything. It's everything Jesus was trying to tell us. If God is present like that all the time, what are we doing? It's everything that God has been trying to help us see. Everything that we lost in the garden. And there it is. Heaven on earth. The veil pulled back. Just a tiny example of what we had been created to see and know about our Father. But Elisha is a fascinating character beyond all of this. And we're going to be actually looking at another story from his life next week as well. But Elisha kind of often falls a little further down the list of prophets that we kind of pay attention to. He doesn't have a book named after him like Isaiah or Ezekiel or Daniel. And he kind of falls a little bit in the shadow of his master and mentor, Elijah. And Elijah had the amazing fire from heaven experience with the altar and the prophets of Baal. He was fed by ravens in the wilderness and he had this incredible experience with the voice of God on the mountaintop where God spoke not in a hurricane or a firestorm or thunder and lightning, but in a whisper, in the sound of silence. 
Elijah was a major prophet for Israel for many years, and for a long time he stood as the lone voice for God as the whole nation fell into idolatry and apostasy. But eventually he picked up this protege, a young man named Elisha. And Elisha followed him and learned from him and saw God move and speak through Elijah. And Elijah was really important and faithful to the mission of God, but there's something fascinating about Elisha that I find really unique. Elijah had these powerful and profound experiences, these exclamation mark moments, fire from heaven, God destroying the mountain around him, torrential rain coming at God's command. And in the end, Elijah doesn't even die But he's taken up to heaven in this chariot of fire right before Elisha's eyes. Elijah had these moments with God. But Elisha, stories of Elisha's life show us that he walked with God more like we saw in Eden than in the vision of Ezekiel. Elijah and these other prophets had huge moments, but the stories from Elisha's life seem calmer. That the power of God's presence wasn't so much an exclamation point as just his natural journey. Elisha experienced the presence of God in a way that seemed so comfortable and familiar. He just walked with God. He just saw God's presence all around him all the time. It's all through these chapters. Take some time this week to read through these stories leading up to this, the first few chapters of 2 Kings here. We don't have time to go through all of it this morning, but it's even Elijah being taken up to heaven. Elisha was just there, and he just saw this happen. 2 Kings chapter 2, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind, and Elisha saw this. And from that time on, the other prophets saw that God's Spirit rested on Elisha as it had on Elijah, and they followed him. And Elisha does these amazing things. God, through him, does these amazing things, but it just seems a little more natural than some of the other stories we read. He heals this poisoned water, this river. He makes an axe head just float on the water. He raises a young man from the dead. He heals a man of leprosy. And all the while, we get this impression that he is just walking in tune with the Spirit. It's not dramatic doesn't seem to read like a huge effort. doesn't seem particularly surprising to him. It seems natural. That God's presence was just there. And Elisha just followed the leading of the Spirit. Look at this story at the beginning of chapter 6. Elisha and his servants went down to Jordan and cut down the trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, the servant cried out. It was borrowed. And Elisha asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it in there and made the iron axe head float. Lift it out, he said. 
And the man reached out his hand and took it. It's just so simple and so natural. So like Jesus showed us. Life with God. Living in the Spirit. Just walking in step with His Creator and seeing the world through His eyes. It's it's different. It's different than what I see most of the time. It's different than what I care about a lot of the time. I get stuck. I get caught up in fears and selfishness, the future and plans and struggles and retirement and bills and the health of my kids and family and not having enough time and giving in to temptation and that person didn't treat me well and that and my tire went flat and my basement leaked and on and on and on and my attention is drawn away from God and into myself. And then I don't see. What did Elisha see? How did he see God? What did it look like for him to live in the Spirit, to understand the presence of God? His servant wondered the exact same thing. And for one incredible moment, Elisha shows us what's really going on. Again, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel, and after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king because of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans were going down there. Elisha just knew. He just saw. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God time and again. Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. Do we see? Are we paying attention? Does God speak to us too? This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? He could not believe that someone wasn't betraying him. Someone had to be feeding information to the Israelites. But when you walk in step with the Spirit, None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. Then the report came back. He's in Dothan, and they sent a horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. What kind of a force does it take to surround a city, even a small one? Hundreds, thousands of soldiers. You look out your door, and you see thousands of soldiers there for you. Hunting you. How do you feel? What do you think? What do you see? What did Elisha see? When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord. What shall we do? The servant asked. 
And it's a fair question because he fears for his very life. They might capture Elisha, but they'll just kill him. They don't care. This is real. This is happening. This is right in front of him. This isn't just a story on a flat page. This was a real man who feared for his life and that his death might not be pleasant. This army was furious. His end might not be quick. But Elisha did not fear because Elisha could see what I do not. And he says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked up and saw the hills full of chariots and horses of fire all around Elisha. What is that? Is that what's happening? Is that what the world truly is? Is that what the presence of God is doing all around us all the time? Is that what Elisha could see that his servant could not, that we don't? Do we see the presence of God around us, working and moving in the world? Do we trust that He is here, even when we don't understand, even when it seems hopeless? Do we believe that He is working, that He is bringing all things together according to His glorious and perfect purpose always do we believe do you see because this is what is happening all around us all the time this is what is real god is real his kingdom is real. What He is doing is real. How many times did Jesus say, the kingdom of heaven is near? And He was talking about Himself and what He was here to do. But in the way He lived His life, He was talking about something else too. The way he saw people, the way he saw situations. He was living and moving in step with the Spirit, in step with his Father, seeing something else, something more going on all around him that the people there with him could not see. That his followers could not see. Peter, James, and John got a glimpse of it on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw who Jesus truly was and what's really going on. And even when Jesus was crucified, they all ran. It was over. They couldn't see. And then he comes and stands among them in that room. Doors locked, windows covered, and suddenly he was there. And everything changed. We went from hiding and fear to declaring in boldness 
that Jesus is alive. The kingdom is here. You don't see and you need to. When we encounter the presence of God, when we see heaven touching earth, even for a moment, everything changes. Do you see? Do you believe that the power of the presence of God is real and is at work in the world, in your life, in the life of your friend and your neighbor, all around us? Do you believe that His power is real, that His love is real, that His Spirit can and does and is transforming lives right here, right now? Do you want the power of the presence of God to move in your own life, for your eyes to be opened and your heart to be changed, to see and to know and to trust that God loves you and that He will lead you, that He will show you what an abundant life looks like. Because as dramatic as that vision was, what that servant saw is, and it would be wild. It's not about seeing crazy things. That is real too. The kingdom of heaven is real, but it's about so much more than flaming chariots and incredible creatures. It's the presence of God, the image of God alive in each person. That is what Jesus saw. For all the incredible reality of the spiritual world, that is what all of this is about. People created in the image of God, broken and destroyed by sin, needing to be saved by the blood of Jesus and the power of His resurrection. That is the power of the presence of God. And that is what God is calling us into in the spirit of Elisha to trust and follow Him as He is leading us to see what He is doing. Because what happened to those soldiers? The rest of the story matters too. They were there to defeat and to destroy Israel and God pours out grace on them. They are struck blind and led into the middle of the Israelite army and they were dead. And Elisha says, feed them and send them on their way. God desired to show them mercy. Do we see people like God does? Whatever their heart is toward us, when we encounter the presence of God, it should change our heart for others. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, so from now on, from now on, we have been transformed by Jesus. We have encountered His Spirit. We are the church. He has drawn us together. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, ours or anyone else's. 
And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, sacred. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is the power of the presence of God. The same power that Elisha saw. That none of this is what we think it is. All the things we get distracted by and held back by. All of our own sin and selfishness of the world. God is playing a different game. And we have to see what He is doing if we're going to join Him there. We can't get distracted. We can't get defeated because His power is real and moving. And He wants us to open our eyes to see what He is doing, to see people like He does, even when it looks hopeless, just like Elisha's servant. And the funny thing is, and again, just like at the beginning, it's not that funny, We're going to go from here, having heard this incredible story and the Spirit speaking to your heart to step into these things. And we're going to get frustrated literally in the parking lot when someone almost backs into us. And then your tire is going to be low when you get home and you're going to get that email that you were just dreading would come. And we're going to get sick. Someone's going to lose their job. And someone is going to do something horrible to you. And we will just be immediately and completely distracted and feel defeated and fall into selfishness and give into temptation. And all the while, God is inviting you to see, to trust, to believe that He is here, that His presence is real and powerful and all around you. He is moving and working and inviting you to walk with Him in the power of the Spirit like Elisha did. What if we woke up every morning and just prayed, God, help me see? And all through our day, we prayed, God, help me see. And at night before we go to sleep, say, God, help me see. That whatever we face, we wouldn't lose sight of the presence of God. Do you see? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word and for stories like this. We thank you that your presence is real and powerful, that your spirit is alive and moving. And Father God, so often I am like that servant and I just don't see And things look impossible in front of me and I can't even imagine how you would help me. What you could possibly do to fix something. And meanwhile, Elisha is standing there the whole time seeing clearly what you're doing. God, help me see. Help us see. Help us not to be distracted by the pain and the struggles and the hurts of this world and what people do to us. God, help us to see them like you do, broken and hurting people in need of your love and grace. Father, you saved that enemy army. You showed them grace. They were there to kill and destroy. You said, feed them and send them on their way. I am in control. 
God, help us to understand your grace. Help us to understand your mercy. Help us to understand your gospel. And help us to live in it and share it. We thank you for your grace to us. We embrace it. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.